dealing with today's issues from a biblical perspective. Can you handle the truth? Informative voice for Christianity, the Marty Mento Show. Well, welcome to the Marty Mento Show here in 2020. The informative voice for Christianity all across America. The one who's been called the blue-collar theologian, trying to help others make sense of the confusion that seems to be about in Christianity today. If you want to share your thoughts, your views, and your opinions about the podcast, email me, martyminto at gmail.com. That's martyminto at gmail.com. But once again, thank you for listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast. Yes. Ah, 2020. Brand new year. I know some of you are probably thinking, the Marty Minto Show, I thought it was called a, well, we can't go there. I'll let my attorneys deal with that one, but uh, it's who I am. I guess God's created me this way. It's been the Marty Minto Show for a long time, and uh, sometimes when you try something new, you you kind of make some mistakes along the way, but that's okay. And uh, I'm grateful to be here in 2020 with you, uh, the listener, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I would encourage you, truly encourage you, to tell others about the Marty Minto Show. I really believe that this is a helpful podcast. Um, it, it is to help other people. And again, you remember in 2019 that you know my three aims or, or priorities, I should say, in the program itself is to, to learn the Word of God so that we can teach other people, and then we can also defend the faith when lies and, and scriptures being twisted and added to and taken away. When people are in error and bringing error our way, we're able to defend uh, the, the faith. We're able to say, hey, no, 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 listen, this is what God says. And, um, you know, it, it really at times is challenging, especially in the day and age in which we live. I had this conversation not too long ago um, really in the brand new year here, it was with somebody talking about that big word hermeneutics. There are many people that don't understand hermeneutics. If you look back in the archives, the past episodes of the Marty Minto show, you will find an area where uh, one of my shows, or actually a few of them, was about how to study and understand God's Word. And in that, I, I do a shortened version of a teaching I did years ago on hermeneutics. And the truth of the matter is, I think that there are so many people out there that really just don't understand. And and that's why in the day and age in which we live, as I was sharing with this dear brother in Christ, all throughout the New Testament with Jesus and, and Paul and Peter, and the list goes on, there's a warning, a warning about what is to come in the last days. And just as there were false prophets in the old times, there will be false teachers, and they are going to increase. It's going to get worse. It's going to go from bad to worse when it comes to them. And so we need to be prepared. But we have to, first of all, start by learning the Word of God. Uh, And I cannot stress that enough, because that is of great priority, uh, not only to me, but it should be to you also. If you truly are a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, you should desire to learn His Word and to grow and to become more like Christ. And in our day and age, uh, we, we need this more than ever before, but so that we can have the proper discernment, that we can understand what the truth is versus the lies that are thrown our way. And, and I tell you, it seems like so often you hear me, I, I kind of air my differences at times on this program, not on purpose, but I just want people to be aware. Be careful of Facebook. I'm telling you right now, I... Over the years, I have gained all these people who are supposedly friends on Facebook, and many of them I don't know. i got to be honest with you. My wife said to me the other day, maybe it's time for you to clean up. But I don't want to offend anybody along the way. Uh, but, but some of the things that are placed on Facebook uh, are just so biblically inaccurate. Uh, there, some of them are outrageous. Some of the things that people believe, and then you have these self-proclaimed Bible teachers uh, that are out there that, uh, you know, do these live events and they're teaching, quote-unquote, and and telling people what they need to know or what the Scripture says, and I sit back and I cringe. I absolutely positively cringe. 
And the easy way would be probably to delete many people that I really don't know or these ministries and that and just get rid of them and and press on. But I've decided to keep them, and I've decided to put up, you know, the links to the Marty Mento Show podcast. Because, again, I'm hoping that through that, that people will um, tune in and they will get a, a good, healthy dose of good, solid biblical teaching. Now, I also have many friends across the United States, dear brothers in Christ, who are solid Bible teachers, who pastor solid biblical churches, and they're friends of mine. So I'm thinking, too, if I keep these people on, then maybe they'll, you know, as they put stuff up and it comes across my you know, uh, on my Facebook page, they'll maybe click there too, and it'll be helpful. But I cannot stress this enough in 2020. It is like the floodgates have opened up. And I I, I did a Bible study last night with a group of men, and uh, as we were talking and, and just going back and forth and, and iron sharpening some iron, and the, they were asking me a couple questions. This is one of the things that's bothered me here in this brand new year is the fact that the matter is, is if you don't study the Word of God, study to show thyself approved unto God, I'm telling you, as a workman, you're in trouble. Because there's so much out there today that seems to be right, seems to be good, seems to be healthy, or seems to be the norm which everybody's fallen into, the masses are following after. It is not biblical. It's not biblical at all. And I cannot stress this enough. Uh, everything from a unbiblical or non-biblical Jesus to a different spirit, to a different gospel. And you know that Paul warned, warned those at Corinth about them beautifully accepting or, you know, being willing to accept, you know, a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel. And, and he came out very strong and loving but hard and saying, hey, listen, you know, the truth of the matter is you're going to be, you know, you can't, you can't follow after all this. You you got to be grounded. And I'm putting this in Marty terms, but you got to be grounded. That's what it's all about in 2020 for me, is to help ground or bring the foundation that has already been laid. Christ is the foundation, but to open the Word of God and to look very carefully and clearly uh, what the Scriptures say. And so hopefully that'll be helpful to others. By the way, if you are following with the podcast and you have for some time or you're brand new, I want to remind you that I do have available uh, for all of you out there, um, you know, free tracks. Um, and I want to encourage you. This track is very helpful. It's entitled, Are You Prepared to Enter Heaven? It's a simple track. It talks about God, man, uh, Jesus, and you. And I have some new tracks available, just made, and uh, it's filled with Scripture. But I believe it's biblical, it's sound, it'll be helpful to you. And if you like to leave tracks at a, you know, at a restaurant or give it to somebody you're talking to and ministering to, you want to send them to people, whatever it be, all you have to do is email me, martyminto at gmail.com. Minto is M-I-N-T-O. But email me, and I'll send you these tracks for free. Uh, people have asked, you know, will you accept a donation, a love gift, just to say that? If you want to, that's up to you, but I do not charge. I don't charge for postage. I don't charge for making them. But along with that, too, uh, I want to encourage all of you out there, you know, I still have um, that pamphlet called Who is Jesus to You? Um, and the truth of the matter is that pamphlet is is really a part of my life's work, but it is all about Jesus Christ. Because again today, there's so many people that are believing in a false Jesus, uh, or they believe things falsely about Jesus. But again, I will send that to you in a you know a, a good quantity for free also if you want it. But all you have to do is email me, martymento at gmail.com. Starting out in 2020, um, everywhere I turn, it seems to be story after story about the visible church. And you know as well as I know that uh, this has been a topic of mine for many, many years, talking about the visible church, and there are a lot of issues with the visible church. And last night, um, we began just before the end of the year, but last night, you know, we're back uh, up on our feet and running with this Bible study on Thursday nights, Um, and uh, with a group of men. I just had men last night. We have men and women who come out, but last night was just men. 
Um, we are going through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a just a powerful, amazing, uh, informative book. If you've never studied the book of Acts, I, my eldest son, I told them last night, my, my eldest son sometimes says to me, he says, you know, Dad, is there any other book in the Bible? Do you ever teach out of any other book or preach? And I said, yeah, I preach and teach out of other books of the Bible. But the book of Acts is, of to me, it, it's, it's powerful. If you know anything about the book of Acts, the book of Acts uh, really uh, is a book about church history, the New Testament church. And the reason I'm telling you this, it may not be anything new, is because today it seems like as we look around, as we read the stories, and we hear from people, as I even watch on YouTube through videos and that, there's much that goes on today in the visible church that doesn't line up with truly the Word of God. And that is disturbing to me. It is, I mean, it disturbs me. Uh, last night I was asked, well, where do you attend church? And I shared with the individuals where I attend church. And, and one of the things uh, about the church I attend is a very solid, very, very solid biblical teacher uh, who teaches the Word of God verse by verse, who breaks things down, who who just brings it right from the, the I mean, the, the Word of God comes alive. I, I actually get excited uh, right now as I am not quote-unquote pastoring right now, but I get excited sitting there on Sunday mornings listening to my brother in Christ uh, just, just expand upon the Word of God. It's exciting. But there are many things about this church that I, I've been attending that they're biblical. I mean, if you open the Word of God and you look at what's going on, you, you, you can see that things line up. But that doesn't happen often today enough. Now, I hear stories that there are more and more young men coming out of seminary that are very strong and biblically grounded, and things are beginning to change. And I, and I hope and pray that that be the case. But in many cases, that, that's not, it's not true. And, it, and it's not true, and this is where we got last night. We got into the point and place where we were looking at chapter 1, verse 2 of the book of Acts, and I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, actually, I'll start with uh, verse 1, but but just listen carefully for just a moment, and you'll see where I'm going with this here today on the podcast. This is what it says in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now, again, the human writer or author here is Luke, Dr. Luke the physician. He writes this, the first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, last night we were looking at that part, verse 2, of the fact that he, um, by the Holy Spirit or through the Holy Spirit, had given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. And we were talking last night, and we began talking about the, the fact that Jesus is not only fully man, but he was fully God. We know that at his baptism with John the Baptist at, at the, in the water that the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was empowered, uh, filled with the Spirit, and, and really Christ in his humanity is really a picture, an example for all of us that we need to live by the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. And last night, as we were talking, and I was going through this and teaching this, we were talking about the fact that he gave orders. He gave orders to the apostles, and we talked about the apostles and what they're all about. And what I really wanted to get into was the reality of the authority of Jesus Christ. And I think that that really becomes the problem today and it is the problem when it comes to the visible church being out of order. Because I don't think we understand what the church is all about. We don't understand Jesus Christ and his role when it comes to the church. And, and, and what we have is a lot of confusion. We have a lot of problems because nobody, it seems like very few. I, I know sometimes my wording can be pretty broad, but it seems like very few want to go back uh, and look and see not only the history, and to some, that's all the Bible is a history book. It, it, it's meaningless. It's not, it, you know, when it comes to, to today in our world in which we live, it, it's just, you know, it's not something that we would follow. It's, it's 
outdated and you know but that's not the case when you realize and you you take the time to understand uh about Jesus Christ in his church that's right his church now and let me share with you what i mean first of all when we talk about the church we talk about a greek word ecclesia and in simple terms ecclesia is the assembly of the called out ones and i'll tell you what i mean by the called out ones um in the book of First Peter, chapter 2, um, verses 9 and 10, we read these words. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Now, I want you to think about that. We are a people for God's own possession, uh, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want you to think about that. See, see, that's that's the definition of why I say it's an assembly of the called out ones, not only because that's what the Greek word means, but it's a, it's a good description. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God had not received mercy, mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, I want you to think about all this. We are now, as the church, the ecclesia, we are the children of God. We are the people of God. And as I read to you earlier here, we are a people for God's own possession. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that's big. That's huge. And, and we need to understand that when it comes to Jesus Christ, who is fully man and fully God, he's the second person of the Trinity, the Son of the living God, we need to understand that he truly owns us. He owns the church. He owns the church. The church belongs to him. And let me explain and kind of break that down what I mean here. First of all, the Bible distinctively and clearly tells us in the book of Colossians chapter 1, and this is a, this is a powerhouse of a passage too. Uh, I mean, all of God's Word is, but when you begin to study this, it just it's mind-boggling. It says in Colossians 1.15, and he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things were created. So if all things were created by Christ, then Christ created the church. He created us. Because when we talk about the church, when we talk about the assembly of the called out ones, we know that he's, we're not talking about a building. We're talking about people who've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're talking about people who've been redeemed, who have been delivered, who have been saved, who've been set free. If you're a child of God, you are a part of the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. Um, and he has created us. And he has created us uniquely, specifically, and purposely. And it's exciting when you think about that. And I could just encourage you to go and look at Psalms 139, and you really get an idea and an understanding about how important and precious every human being is to God. Um, but in this, listen to what he says here in Colossians chapter 1, um, verse 16, it says, Again, in him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So we have God, not only our creator, Jesus Christ, our creator, but we've been created by him, but for him. And simply put, that means that everything in which we do, there's a rhyme, reason, and purpose that will bring him glory. The church is about bringing Christ's glory. It is for Christ and his kingdom. It's for his purposes. It's for him. And this, to me, is something that I think that we need to, to take a step back as the church. We need to really take it in. We need to really ponder these verses here that are, as Paul is being carried along by the Holy Spirit, he's writing on the parchment, he, he's, he's writing to the church at Colossae, and he's making it clear that Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of all things. Everything has been created, as I already read, through him and for him. So we have been created for Christ, for his purposes, for his glory, and, and that is important for us to understand, 
Because the truth of the matter is, when it comes to our lives, those of us who are the ecclesia, the called out ones, our life is not about us. It's about him. So when it comes to corporately the ecclesia, and not just individually, but corporately the whole church functioning, it is about Christ. It is functioning for him and for his glory, for his honor, for his kingdom. And right away, as we were studying this last night, you know, I could see the wheels spinning with a lot of people because it's not about what we want. It's not about our purposes, our ideas, our desires, our longings. It's about what Christ and Christ alone wants from us, his church. And that's what we are. We are his church. It goes on to say, too, this is interesting, in verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he's before everything because he's God. Before anything existed, he existed. So Jesus Christ is before everything. That's another understanding of his deity, understanding that he wasn't created, as some religious belief systems teach, but he always existed. He's before all things. He has a preeminence because he's God. But it also says that um, he holds all things together. He's the one who holds all things together. He's the one who keeps things where they need to be. Even in the midst of all the chaos and everything that goes on in our world today, God is in control. And I know sometimes that becomes nothing more than a cliche for many a people, but I think what we need to do, honestly, is we need to take it in. We need to accept it for what it is, um, and we need to realize, hey, listen, I, you know, everything that's going on, even though it seems like I'm in a world that's out of control, truly, uh, God is in control. God is sovereign. Um, and, and again, I, I think that we need to understand this especially with the church. Even at times when it comes to all the confusion that's out there with the visible church, the visible church is not always the true church. And I think that's why there's a lot of confusion too. Then it goes on to say that he is also the head of the body, the church. Now, when I think about this, this kind of puts it all in perspective. He is the head. He's the head of the body. So we know that when it comes to ecclesia, we're talking about many members, but yet one body. So when we talk about the church today, we got many members, but we got one church, one true church, but Christ is the head of the church. He is supreme. He is authoritative. He is the one. I, think about your body. You know, our physical head and where our mind is and everything is what runs our body. Without the head, the body itself could not function properly. And, and though that may seem very simplistic, simplistic as far as you know, defining the head and the body, the same is true about the church. Without Christ being the head, the church is in trouble. Now, here's my point, and I want you to bear with me here because I got much more to say about this. But but I think today the problem with the visible church is not recognizing Jesus Christ for who he is and not turning to Jesus Christ for the answers that we need. Not recognizing him, first of all, giving him the honor and the glory that is due to him and him alone. See, I, I am convinced when we could gather together as the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the assembly of the called out ones, the purpose for us gathering is not about us. It is about him. Remember, he created all things, but not only did he create it, but they were created for him. So when we gather together on a you know Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, or at a Bible study on Thursday evening, or whatever it may be, our purpose uh, you know, together as the church is truly to glorify him. And I would go further to say that our whole entire lives individually, that's the purpose too, is to glorify Christ. It's not about glorifying ourselves. It's not about making me happy. It's not about making us happy as a group of people that gather together to call ourselves the church. It is about Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that completely flies in the face of everything that I see out there today for the most part. The most part I see is church after church, an individual after individual who claims to be the part of the church, 
living their life, doing their thing on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, whenever it is, whatever they do, they're doing it because they want to do it for themselves. Think about this. I just recently, its I wouldn't say it's an epiphany, but not too long ago, before the end of the year, I began to realize, I kind of took a quick scan through the Christian TV stations as I was watching my TV and I began watching and listening carefully. And then I went to the Christian radio stations. And not, you know, I'm not trying to beat up on everybody. I'm just trying to make a point here. I began to listen to most of the pastors on there and just listening for a few minutes. And what intrigued me, here was the epiphany. I find most that goes on today within so-called Christendom is always about the Christian. Everything that is taught, everything that is done musically, whatever the case may be that they call worship, you know, it's always geared to the person who's sitting in the pew, who's sitting in the seat, who comes to the event, whatever the case may be. And I don't know about you, but that to me is not true biblical Christianity. It's not being the church. It's what we call playing church. But being the church, if you truly are being the church— You recognize that Christ is the head. The reason why he created the church individually, corporately, why he has put this all together is for his glory and his honor. It's all about him. That's why I tell people when we gather together to worship, we do so in the audience of one. We're not the audience. It is all about Jesus Christ. And so when we gather together and we find ourselves desiring to you know, truly do his will and do what is right and to function properly, et cetera, et cetera, we can only turn to one place, and that is to Christ himself, which ultimately would have to be to his word. As I mentioned last night in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we know in times gone by that God spoke uh, to the prophets, you know, through the prophets to the people in many portions, in many ways, but in these last days he's spoken to us through his Son who is the heir of all things, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is the one who has all authority given to him in heaven and earth. The truth of the matter is simply this. When we want to know what Christ expects from us as the church individually and corporately, the only place we could turn is the Word of God. And that's where I started the podcast today. Unfortunately, but true, much that is happening today in the lives of so-called Christians and in, you know, as far as the gathering of the local visible church, in many cases, doesn't match up with what is showed to us within the pages of Scripture. I mean, we are the New Testament church today. We we are alive and well. We, We are a living organism. And But our example before us should be from that which we learn in the pages of Scripture, from the teachings of Jesus himself, from those that he gave in orders and instructions to, being the apostles, which if you understand anything about studying God's Word and this whole issue, the apostles were a part of the foundation of the church. Matter of fact, uh, if you're writing some of these scriptures down, which I would encourage you to do so, because that's how you know you can go back and you can look a little bit more closely at. But it tells us in the book of Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians chapter two, verse twenty, if I recall right. Here's what it says. It says, "I'll start with verse nineteen. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon." the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So we we have a foundation. Christ Jesus gave the apostles orders, instructions, because he had the authority to give them orders and instructions for them to follow out and to continue as the church, the New Testament church, would go forward. Uh, Think about this. Um, Like, for instance— it tells us in, in Matthew chapter 28, we know in Matthew chapter 28, we have in the last part of chapter 28 what we would call the Great Commission. But, but listen to these words that are found here in this chapter that are very important for us too, because in that we begin to realize that Jesus makes it clear when he gathers people together that he is the one who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth— 
And so when when this authority in verse 18 has been given to him, he therefore then gives the authority to those who are going to go out and are going to be a part uh, according to his plan, his purpose, because it's his church, they are going to continue as the foundation of the church and continue to build the structure. Matter of fact, it tells us in, in Matthew chapter 10, after he summoned all the 12 together, he says here, listen to this, he, he tells them very distinctively and clearly that, um, that he has given them authority, and authority to do what? He tells them he's given them authority uh, to have authority over unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Again, he gives authority. Why? Because ultimately, when it comes to the church, when it comes to these individuals and even corporately, they belong to him. It's his church. He is the head of the church. He is the one who structures the church. We find not only in places we've already talked about, but in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4, like for instance, he gave some to be prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers. He gave some. It tells us in 1 Corinthians that there's many members but one body. And we realize that the structure of the church is placed and put together by Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who structures his church. He is the one who equips his church. He is the one who does what is necessary. Now, he does this equipping through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And we find that in in 1 Corinthians as you study and read in chapter 12, and we talk about the gifts of the Spirit and that. But ultimately what it's all about is it's structured, it is placed together by Christ because it belongs to Christ. So we began to realize distinctively that he owns the church. The church, which is us, we belong to him. Now, how do we know that he owns the church? Well, the Bible also tells us, God tells us very distinctively the answer to that question. And the answer is he owns the church because he's purchased it. Matter of fact, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Well, you may be wondering, what is that price? Well, let me give you another passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, for you were bought with a price, do not become slaves of men. Once again, what is that price? What are we talking about? Well, let's turn to another passage and let's go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and look with me, if you would, for a moment at verse 28. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, and this is what it says. Be on your guard for yourselves and for all the flock among um, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Why does he own the church? Why does he own us? Because he's purchased us with his blood. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter uh, 5, um, a very powerful, powerful passage in Revelation 5, um, I'm going to read to you verses 8 and 9. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. For thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Did you hear that once again? Jesus Christ was slain. His blood was the price that was purchased, that made the purchase of every of men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, of those who would believe in him, those who would put their faith in him, those who are God's elect, those his chosen, etc. But but when you, you realize that once again, when it comes to the church, he owns his church. It's his church. 
Now, I don't know about you, but so far what we've learned, I, it's humbling. Uh, it's almost breathtaking because when you begin to stand back for a moment and think about the Scripture that has already been read, I don't know about you, but I, I automatically feel even some guilt because I think to myself over the years at times in my pastoring and my shepherding and the things that I have done at times where I, I have failed because what we've learned is he's created us for his purpose, for his glory, for his honor. He's purchased us with his blood. When it comes to the church, he's the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the called out ones. He's the one who structures his church. He is the one um, who keeps everything together. He sustains his church. But we also learn from the Word of God something very, very important, which I'm sure you have heard this before, but maybe you haven't. But the Bible tells us that when it comes to building the church, he's the one. I just read this morning on on Facebook something that was just bothersome to me because I find that there are people out there today, there's church after church, listen to me carefully, many who are quote-unquote looking for a pastor. Um, in this day and age in which we live, I don't know if you realize this, but many, many men are leaving pastoral ministry. And for some of them, if not many of them who are, it's probably a good thing because I don't think they've been called by God. And that's a whole nother topic we could get into. But some of them look at it as a job or, or just to scratch an itch. You know, they want to have an audience and talk to people. But are they really called by God? And others, because of the problems, the issues, and the suffering, and the things they go through as leading churches, uh, they they say it's not worth it. It's just not. They're getting out. It's happening in mass quantities, men who are leaving. Uh, But there's still a whole group of others waiting on the boat to come on in. Um, And again, that's an issue too. But anyways, I, I find that when these churches are looking for a pastor, looking for a leader, they're looking for someone who will build their church. And you heard the word correctly, build their church. See, they believe it belongs to them. And they want some guy who's charismatic. They want some guy who's, you know, can talk right, you know, and uh, doesn't stumble on his words. You know, someone who can tell a lot of good stories or jokes, make people feel happy, good about themselves, laugh a little bit. You know, they, they have all these expectations, but ultimately they want a man, quote-unquote, who can grow the church, who has a vision for the future. But that's not the man in the pulpit's responsibility because he can never do it in the first place. Listen to me very carefully. This is a Matthew chapter 16, and I think this is so important. He, and it says in verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Now, first of all, upon this rock, I really believe here, and I think if you study, it is the reference to the statement that Peter made. Jesus was asking, um, you know, who do people say the Son of Man is? And then he asked them specifically, who do you say the Son of Man is? And in verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to, you, say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. What rock? Well, on the proclamation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, on the understanding that faith comes by, uh, you know, to, to others as they share the gospel, it's from faith to faith. But upon this proclamation, upon the statement that has been made by Peter, because Peter is the little stone, but Christ is the rock, he's the large stone. But upon the statement of Peter, the reality of knowing who Jesus truly is, the Christ, the Son of the living God, as this message is proclaimed, Christ will build his church. But listen to the personal pronouns. I will build my church. So once again, we belong to Christ. It's Christ's church. It's not our church. It's his. He is the one who builds his church. Now, if you don't believe me, 
I, I shared this last night because I, I this so intriguing. And again, I'm not giving you every passage of scripture because there's so much. I mean, I could I could spend all day here on this podcast and just open up the scriptures left and right. But I want you to uh, the, the chapter two of the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, and all that took place. And um, we get down towards the very end after the gospel message is preached and the people had believed. Uh, the Bible gives us a picture of what was happening within the Christian community, what was happening to those who trusted Christ, how they were living their lives. And it it says this, which I think this is just so important at the last verse of chapter two, verse 47, it says, praising God and having favor with all the people. Now listen to it carefully. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Who was adding to the number? The Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. See, Christ is the one who builds his church. Not you and I. Going back to Peter, Peter being a part of the foundation, one of the apostles, one who truly had believed, had received the gospel, the one who had been commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel message. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. Folks, I firmly believe today the reason why there's so many churches closing, and so many churches will be closing, because they are spiritually dead, or they don't follow in obedience to what Christ has told them, being the head of the church, the one who has authority, the one who is in charge. I don't know how many times I've talked about this over the years. Uh, I've I've done teaching conferences on this. I've talked to pastors one-on-one. But church after church or individual after individual, corporately, it seems like very few are truly fulfilling the Great Commission. They're not doing what Christ said. And see, it is his methodology in which he will build his church. It is his message. There's only one gospel. But through the method of proclaiming the good news, the gospel message into all the world, to all people, Christ will build his church. And I really believe that the churches that don't follow that are the churches that are in trouble, individually and corporately. In other words, there's something spiritually wrong with them. But you know what can also happen with Christ and his church? It tells us in Revelation chapter 2, when Christ writes to the church at Ephesus, he says this in verse 5, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. What what did they need to repent of? They lost their first love in verse 4. They left their first love. They're the ones who left their first love. He calls them to repentance. If they don't repent, he's going to remove the lampstand. Well, what is the lampstand? Well, if you go to chapter 1, verse 20, the lampstand is the church, is the visible church. Now, this is not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about a visible church that's in a particular area in a place that is not following, not in love with Christ, not following in obedience to what he's called the church to be and do, He will remove their lampstand. By the way, the church of Ephesus is not there today. doesn't exist. Now, you can, you know, think about that and look into it as far as you want, but it it is a fulfillment of a prophecy, a prophetic word that Jesus himself said, listen, I'm warning you ahead of time. You left your first love, either return to me and do the deeds that you once did at first, or I'm removing the lampstand. Isn't it interesting? You know, I, I have been an interim. I have filled in. I have pastored many churches along the way, most of them struggling and hurting, uh, most who would fit in the category rehabilitation churches. And what's interesting, in every one that I've been a part of, I look back in their history. When I look back in their history, there was a time that they were vibrant. There were a time that were growing. There were a time that they were planted and things were happening and blessings, people being saved and baptized. And I mean, Sunday school classes that were taking place and people were filling the church and they were reaching the community, all things that, because they were in love with Jesus. And they were following him, the head of the church, as the body, functioning as the body, structurally doing things what they were supposed to be doing. And great things were taking place for God and for his kingdom. 
But then along the way, things started falling apart. And I really believe down deep inside, if you just take the time and think about that for a while, you begin to realize the church belongs to Christ. And if necessary, if it is really, if it's lost its saltiness, it's no good anymore. He removes the lampstand. Also quickly in, in, in Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 18, he also mentions that the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Christ also, you know, it is believed, and as you study this, you know, Hades is a reference really in the essence of death and suffering, and there'd be great persecution, and there was in the New Testament church, and there still is today in certain places. But even in the midst of all of that, you know what? He protects the church. Even in the midst of suffering and persecution and sometimes people dying and being martyred, he's still building his church. He protects his church because it belongs to him. Uh, it's his bride. And, and he is not going to allow Hades to overpower it. He's not going to allow death and suffering to overpower it. Uh, you know, it's, it's never going to be victorious over his church because he is building his church. So again, before we wrap things up here today on the Marty Minto Show podcast, I want you to think about this. We are the church. We are the ecclesia, the assembly of the called out ones. We are the body of Jesus Christ. Many members, but one body. He equips his body. He also structures his body, he puts into place. A matter of fact, we find in, in the Bible that in every city, um, it was told by, like Titus, he was to go and, and, and to have elders, plural. At every church, there's a leadership structure and how the church is supposed to run and the blueprint for the church. And who are the leaders and who are the servants? And, and yes, everybody has at least one gift, but you have to understand the structure belongs to Jesus Christ. It doesn't belong to man. Man can't decide to change the structure. He can't just, 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 you know, decide to change the way things should be when we know what Christ has already given to us as an example, what he has taught. We have no right, because the church doesn't belong to us, to change anything. So we know he has created the church. We know he's the head of the church. We've just learned that he builds a church. He sustains the church. He protects his church. We also realize that he can remove the church if necessary. And it's all because he owns the church. It's his church. It was purchased by his precious blood. He was slain. He shed his blood for us. We belong to him. And that is why so often, I, I guess... Quite often, I just don't get it with some folks because they don't realize what biblical Christianity is all about. It is all about Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about me. Yes, there is a great reward that lies ahead for us. But I want you to think about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says here in verse 14 and 15, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. See, Christ died for us. He died for me. I should be living my life individually. We should be living our life corporately for him. When we gather together, it's all about him. Whatever we do on a daily basis, it's all about him. It's about his kingdom, about his glory, about his honor. What we do as the church, corporately, it's all about Jesus. If it doesn't point to Jesus, if it doesn't worship Jesus, if it doesn't exalt Jesus, doesn't glorify Jesus, if it's not about him, we shouldn't be doing it. And how often today, once again, I, I cannot stress this enough, that doesn't seem to be the case. It's all about us. It's about what we want, what we desire. And I'm always, I just find myself time and time again, I, I, I go back to the passage of Scripture that really, you know, there's, there's many different places in the gospel, but it really it, it comes to, you know, what true biblical discipleship is all about, which some people, once again, they just don't get. 
but we are to take up our cross and follow him. It's no longer about us. It's no longer about our lives. We have been bought with a price, and that price is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. It is no longer about us in any way, shape, or form. We are to die to ourselves. We are to be following the one who gave himself for us. And true biblical discipleship is about that. It is that a life that we live, we now live for him, who died and rose again on our behalf. And I cannot stress this enough. And I guess I, hopefully today I, I haven't been too preachy-preachy, but I, I, I wanted to bring this to the forefront because I'm greatly concerned, I'll be honest with you. I'm greatly concerned because I don't think people quite understand what it means to follow Jesus as a disciple of his. I don't know, think that people understand that it's not about us. It's not about them. It's about Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. It's about following him. It's about being obedient to him. It is about denying yourself your desires, your longings, your dreams, your goals, all about anything you had, and it's all about him. And I do believe that if you truly have the Spirit of Christ within you, if you truly are born from above, his desires should be your desires. But it's not going to be about you. It's not going to be about what you gain in this world, who you become, and how successful whatever terminology you want to put with it. It is all about bringing glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is about the one who gave his life for you. That's what it's about. And again, in the day and age in which we live, I just got to be honest with you, I am I am like, uh, I'm not seeing it today. And I guess it's becoming more and more difficult for me because I begin to realize in the midst of all of it, that this is something that um, I I can't change. i got to be honest with you. I can't change it. But I really believe that we have to trust God. We have to teach, share, preach the truth, and trust God to do a work that only God can do in the lives of people individually and corporately. But guess what, folks? As we get closer and closer, it's going to get worse. But I do believe today that there is, there is a, a supernatural work that is taking place. I do think that there is a separation of the wheat and the tares. I think there is a real understanding that all that we see visibly is not always that which is true. In other words, the visible church is not always the true church. But again, I want you to look at your life individually and corporately. Ask the questions. Is it truly all about Christ, or is it about me? Is it about us? It's what we want versus what he wants. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining with me here today on the Marty Minto Show podcast. Email me, martyminto at gmail.com. Always a blessing to be with you. Until next time, may God bless you. May he watch over you. May his face shine upon you. But thanks again for listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast. Tell others if you will, please.